Grant Williams gets suspended, and I'm opening up the mailbag to answer questions about Joe Missoula, zone defenses, and bowl, bowl, all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day, and I'm here for you every day, Monday through Friday, plus post games on weekends with a free, fresh podcast for you everywhere podcasts exist, even on YouTube. So subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts. I do appreciate you making this your first listen every day. I'm John Corrales, former professional basketball player, and now covering the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I'm also the author, easy for me to say. Of the Boston Celtics all-time all-stars. Pick up a copy wherever you get books online. Today, I'm going to open up the mailbag. The Celtics had a couple of days off. They practiced. Not much going on at practice. I talked a little bit about the defense. And uh, we learned after practice that Grant Williams was suspended for a game he's not going to play on Friday. Grant Williams, one game without pay. No additional fine. No nothing. Uh, Kind of what I expected if you've been listening to the show this week. Not surprising to me because I do think that he sort of, as he went by the the official, sort of kind of that arm kind of came out and it's just enough, just enough to lend some doubt to the theory that it was accidental. Do I believe that Grant Williams is the type of person who's going to go running through referees? No, not necessarily. I think Grant Williams is a good dude. But maybe his emotions got the best of him in that game for some reason. My argument for for these guys is you avoid contact a lot. You hero step a lot. Guys go around stationary objects, stationary opponents on the floor uh, a lot in the course of a game. When you see somebody in your way as a a high-level athlete, you should probably be able to get away around that person. So there's... Plausible deniability, but there's also enough to make you say, can't say 100% for sure. So he got dinged for a game. Not shocking. Moving on. Uh, We also at practice, we saw Robert Williams walking around. That was nice to see. He was just walking around. He was in full uniform. Other guys were in uniform. Felt like there was some sort of promo shoot going on. A lot of guys, for example, Blake Griffin was there practicing, lifting, all of that stuff. Then he disappeared, went into the training room came back out, had his uniform on. So they were clearly doing something with their their uniforms, interview, whatever it was. So Rob was there. Danilo Gallinari was there. And so we saw them. And the defense, I've been addressing the defense. I put something up on Boston Sports Journal. Basically, I, my final note on the defense, as far as the, the major discussion for this week has been so far, in my film study for the piece on Boston sports journal in my rewatching of the game. The bottom line for me is you need more effort from these guys. You need more effort from the perimeter. It's kind of what I've been saying. The video that I watched kind of supports my theory that as much as guys on, on the blocks, the big guys, Noah Vonley 
and uh, obviously Al Horford, those guys are being picked on there. And I was certainly very critical of Vonley. He deserved, you know, strong criticism. But also there are a couple of plays where I looked at and I'm like, you know what? Vonley, Vonley caught the bullet here, but it was somebody else's fault. And a lot of times it was on the perimeter, whether it be Malcolm Brogdon, who had uncharacteristically bad game, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, all of these, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, all of these guys, everybody had moments in that game where they just were not there. In fact, J- uh, Joe Mazzula, after practice, when we asked him about the defense, he talked about it's those little details. And it was an expansion. I asked him about the the don't get bored quote that a couple of days ago I said was the most damning thing that he could say. And he didn't shy away from it. He certainly, it's, it's about, he said it's about the the little details, execution, angles, preparation, all of those little things. And he's 100% right. I got to get, he's 100% right that those things from the perimeter guys will do a great, go a great distance to help the bigs, especially the backup bigs who have been, you know, scrutinized is the word. Uh, a lot of people in my Boston Sports Journal mailbag asking about the bigs. Lots of questions about the bigs. Do the Celtics need to go out and get another big? And while they might need to go out and get another big, I'm not making a final determination here at the end of October, but it's it's trending that way. We haven't seen what these guys can do if the perimeter guys are at 100%, are, are 100% effort, 100% execution, 100% focus, all of that stuff. So I want the perimeter guys to execute. That perimeter defense needs to be very, very strong, and that's going to help the bigs. That's if, if you can do that, if you can help the bigs that way, then we'll get a sense of which bigs can handle the job that they're supposed to do. It, it, it comes down to this. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, those guys, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, those guys with reputations for being good defenders – to varying degrees, Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, but Jason Tatum, Derek White, those guys are also very good defenders. Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, also very good defenders. They have to play their absolute best defense. They just have to. That it's an it's a lot. It's it's a big burden for everybody to share, but they have to be their best because you can't expect them to be less than their best and then have. Noah Vonley cleaning up messes because he's not a he's not a guy who cleans up messes. He's he's serviceable. He's capable, just like Luke Cornett is serviceable and capable. And Blake Griffin, not to the same degree, serviceable, capable. If you've got that type of center behind you, then the the perimeter defense has to be on point. It's very simple. That's just how it is. So that being said, let's dive into the mailbag. And start with Leo V, who says, I think the loss to the Bulls should be a wake-up call. My theory is that how the team responds from top to bottom will show if they're really championship caliber. Can they use this sloppy loss where they got away from everything to as fuel to fire how they respond going forward? Now, yes, I agree with this sentiment. It, it's uh it's I, I push back on the on the wake-up call. It's terminology that I have certainly used before, but as I continue to cover the NBA, this isn't about wake-up calls. It's, I don't think they came out of that game and were like, oh, wow, whew, 
we really need to make sure we're at our best. No, it's, it's, it's not a wake up call in the traditional sense. I think it's just a, a, a little bit of a lesson where they can say, all right, we slipped. We just, we just got to not slip anymore. Is it semantics? What I'm saying? Yes. It's, you can certainly say, John, that's semantics. You're basically saying the same thing and that's fine. In my head, there's a little bit of a difference where I think the terminology wake up call makes it seem like they were trending down a certain way. And I think this is just like a recalibration. They need to understand everything that I just said. Got to give it a hundred percent on the perimeter. So I do think they can bounce back from this. I think they can go against the the Cavaliers at home and, and put forth a much better effort. Remember three games and four nights against Chicago. And the best way I can put the three game and four night phenomenon is if you are, everybody's had this, this moment, right? You wake up kind of, you know, you, you feel a little tired. You just didn't get the right night's sleep, but you have to clean the house and you get through, you get yourself going, you get yourself into a mindset, you psych yourself up and you get into a groove. Oh man, I'm cleaning that living room, cleaning that kitchen. I'm cleaning that bathroom. And then you get through a bunch of the rooms and then you say, you know what? I'm going to sit down before I do the bedroom. And then you sit down and you never get back up. And even though you just had the energy to do all this work, once you sit down, you never get back up. And that bedroom is not getting clean. That's the three nights, the, the, the three games and four nights. The Celtics came out with that energy. You can come out and warm up and have that energy. Once you lose it, you don't get it back. And that's kind of what happened in that game to me. It's, I think there's a lot of that that they just didn't get back. I think that was certainly part of it. So now three days off at home on Friday, Cavs coming in, big team. I think there's going to be a little bit more focus. I think they're going to understand. And I think we're going to see a much different Celtics team. Up next, questions about Joe Mazzula holding the team accountable. And are they peaking? Is there a is there a peak too soon thing going on? We'll talk about that. First, I got to talk to you about prize picks. Daily Fantasy made super, super easy. If I'm looking at the prize picks right now, I'm saying, uh, oh, let's see. Anthony Simons from Portland going up against Miami over under 18 and a half points. You know what? I'm giving him the over on that one. Tyler Hero, he's been playing well, 21 and a half. I'm taking the over on Tyler Hero. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the under on LeBron James, 29 and a half points going up against Denver. I don't think he gets to 30 points. And it's that simple. I make those picks and then you move forward. Two to five players, if they go on to score more than more or less than the prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money. I'm not playing against anybody else. Those projections, uh, if if I'm right, I win. If they're not, I lose. Very simple. And it goes through any sport. All the major pro sports. Uh, golf, college sports, all the college sports. NASCAR, tennis, uh, disc golf. I'm, I haven't even checked. To be honest with you, the fact that they even told me to say disc golf is amazing to me. That's how deep prize picks goes. Make your picks in 60 seconds or less. Safe and fast withdrawals. Operational in 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. But wait, 
Here's the best part. First time users can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. You deposit 100, you get 100. You deposit 50, you get 50. Very simple math. Even I can do it. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on. That's how you get it. Sign up with that promo code locked on for an instant deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com or download the prizepicks app. Thanks for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the most uh, important stories, the biggest stories in all sports go beyond the scoreboard, behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's a great show. Locked On Sports Today, available right here where you got this podcast, YouTube, everywhere podcast exists. Back to the mailbag. Adam says, asks, are you concerned at all about whether Joe Missoula can do enough to hold the team accountable? That seemed to be a real strength of Emes. He wasn't afraid to let them know. Uh, the return of Smart's early shot clock, three-pointers, porous defense, on and on. Uh, does this team need someone to hold them accountable and be successful? Will Joe do it? Can Joe do it? Yes. That's the short answer. Yes. And I can tell you that he will because I, I honestly I feel like Joe is as Brad Stevens as you can get without actually being Brad Stevens. The the stuff he says with the media, the way he handles himself with the media, the public perception of him, but the private uh, in on the court, behind the scenes, the way he is with his guys is, is different. I think it's just different. Now, I don't know how he handles the locker room. I know Ime can MF guys in a, a film session, and I'm sure that Joe Missoula can do that too, because we've saw, we've seen it already on the sidelines. Uh, what was it? It was uh, the last home game where they, they won and they, um, he was on the sidelines and he called everybody up and said, you need to do this. And I don't care who the F it is in front of you do blah, blah, blah. And so he got into these guys and he, he can talk to these guys, I think on their level. And they respect him. When you get the respect of these guys, then it means that you're you're reaching them. They're not going to give him the level of respect that they've given him, that they've outwardly shown him in the media. They're not going to do all that without him earning that. They don't just hand that out. They earn that respect. He earns that respect. So can he hold him accountable? Yeah, of course he can hold him accountable. Uh, I, I don't know. If it's the same as Ime, I think Ime might have a more a more direct style with the media. Let me let me rephrase that. Ime definitely had a more direct style with the media, but it doesn't mean that how he is, how these guys are on the court is any different. And and frankly, these guys on the floor understand what they need to be doing as well. So um I don't think Ime uh even though they're different people, I don't think that Joe is is weak or anything like that. I think I'm, I'm not concerned about him holding the team accountable. I, I think Marcus Smart's shot uh, selection is the same as it was last year. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I, I went through enough comments on my Q&As all season long to know that the early shot clock threes were still part of Smart's repertoire last year. It's not like they completely went away and now they're back. So I don't I, I think we're not going to overreact to the the way things fell apart 
against Chicago. Break it down. We'll dive into it. We'll deep dive into it. And especially because we have all these days off after it, but not going to panic about it. Uh, Meriden asks, do you have any concerns about the C's peaking too early, playing too well early? There's always some regression. Uh, and then he also asks, is it worth it for the Celtics to take some losses or make some games harder, but involve Cabin Gelly or Cornette? So we'll put it all together. They're not going to, they're not going to do anything that jeopardizes the games from a, um, personnel perspective. Now they might go to Cabin Gelly and see if he has something, some sort of energy. And hey, maybe they could have gone to Cabin Gelly in that in that Chicago game for a little boost of energy to try and, you know, considering the way the Celtics were falling apart a little bit, maybe Cabin Gelly's energy in the third quarter after they they'd lost the lead, maybe that could have been a break cla- break glass in case of emergency. Let's see if he can just we can shake up the vibes with Cabin Gelly going nuts out there. That could have been something. I don't. I don't think Cabin Gelly is entirely ready. Just hearing how how he's been talked about, seeing how he's been in post practice things that he's working on. There's some very fundamental stuff, but there are going to be opportunities for him to play. Concerns about peaking too early? No, I don't have any concerns about that at all. And I, I don't think. I don't think that's. Like we like to talk about that. Are you peaking too early? Are you playing your best basketball too early? And I get that, you know, once you play your best basketball at a certain spot, then maybe you start to slip and you don't get that back. But we've all been talking about that that hot start that we wanted the Celtics to go on. Everybody across the board has wanted the Celtics to start hot and to maintain that. So the more wins you can pile up, the better. I'm not worried about them winning too many games and, and, and slowing down. The more you can pile up now, the better, because other teams are, especially now you, you saw the Sixers kind of slip a little bit. You can put any, any kind of distance you can put between these guys, uh, between that team, is, is fine with me. So keep it going uh, and, and just pile them up. Because... There's inevitably going to be a losing streak. I don't think there's a losing streak coming here, but there's going to be one coming. So the more I'd be happy if they won 20 games in a row, there's no peaking too early. They know what it takes. They're going to know what it takes to win. We'll be back to wrap up the, the mailbag with questions about why the zone defense gives you problems, this team problems and bull bull continuing the discussion about the bigs. And once you're done listening to this podcast, make sure you check out Locked On NBA. I host on Wednesdays with Jake Madison. Hope you enjoyed last night's show with me and Jake on Locked On NBA. It's a great time. Rotating hosts all week. And great way to cover the league, the big stories every day. So wherever you get Locked On Celtics, get Locked On NBA. We're going to finish with two questions from Michael B. Even though in his, his message said, pick one of these. You know what, Michael? I'm picking both. Number one, why are zone defense is such a problem for the Celtics? Last year, it seemed like they figured out how to beat a zone by getting the ball to Horford in the middle. Against Orlando, without Horford, it seemed like the zone gave them fits until late in the game when they used Tatum in that Horford spot and they scored a couple of easy baskets. Yeah, that zone works as a kind of curveball. And sometimes it takes some teams longer to hit that curveball than 
others. And for the Celtics, I think it just draws them into some of their worst habits. It allows them to, you know, they start getting into some ISO and they decide they want to shoot over the top of the zone because there are opportunities to shoot over the top of the zone. And that's what teams want. They, they say, okay, well, Jason Tatum is being super aggressive and getting to the rim. Well, let's create a front line, a 2-3 zone, and put three guys in front of him and dare him to shoot. And maybe he'll his shot will go uh, cold. And sometimes Tatum takes the bait. And sometimes other guys in the team take the bait. And it's certainly not a Celtics-specific thing, but these Celtics definitely like taking jumpers. It's a very strong proclivity to jumpers. Whenever a jumper is presented to these guys, they are very tempted to take them. That's just who these guys are. Even though Jason Tatum can get to the rim and and loves, you know, and, and has been great getting to the rim, even though Jalen Brown loves getting to the rim, they they really do love taking jumpers. And so the zone can get them into that and can lull them into that thing. And considering how the Celtics have been great at getting to the rim this year and their their restricted area per, percentage the field goal percentage has been super high. Jason Tatum's has been up over 80%. Take that away with the by mixing up the defense. And that's something I've look, I've been calling for the Celtics to throw some zone in against teams. And, and sometimes that switching defense can look like a zone because of the way guys help. And, and, and when you switch, you're kind of playing in the same area anyway. So you're not following a guy all the way around the court. But the zone can be disruptive. And so the Celtics, it, it, it really does, it just pulls them into some bad habits. They need to, especially when they see the zone. It's very simple. It's very simple against the zone. You attack the gaps because two guys, you, you want two guys to converge onto the same space. If there are spots in the middle of the zone where multiple players go and, and their, their responsibilities overlap, that opens up drive and pass and drive, attack the gaps and, and pass. And that next guy attacks the gaps and you really soften up the zone that way. The, but you just got to want to do it. You just got to keep on doing it. And a lot of times guys will say, well, this shot that I got is as good as any shot we're going to get after all of those, but you, you're still making the defense work and you never know what can, what better shot can be there. So they, they definitely need to be more disciplined and Al Horford in the middle and Tatum in the middle. They're so good in that spot that that's that's the Celtics' best chance. I also like Marcus Smart in the middle of the zone. Get him up to the middle of that free throw line and and just start cutting. And you get Smart to the back. I mean, sorry, Smart to the middle uh, at that free throw line. You could probably baseline cut and he'll find you. So they just need to that, – that's just one of those other things you just need to uh, focus on and execute. The last question, Bull Bull. Celtics had him for a short time last year. Look like he might be a decent player. Should the Celtics have hung on to him or signed him in the offseason? I realize he's young, inexperienced, uh, and the Celtics want veterans. But would we really, really rather have Cornette, Vonley, and Blake rather than two of those guys on Bol Bol? So Bol Bol is such an intriguing guy, and he's out there blocking jump shots. He's like eight feet tall, and he's super, super long, and he looks like he's somewhat productive for the Orlando Magic. And and yeah, would you rather have him than one of those guys? Is there any difference? I mean, 
Cornette, if if one of these guys isn't going to play, then yeah, I mean, sure, bull bull. What's the big deal if he's on a minimum contract? I don't even know what contract he's on, but but I I also I'm not a huge believer in bull bull overall in general as a contributing player on a good team. But I just don't think that he's going to be the guy that gives you consistent production around other good players. He's tall. He certainly is disruptive, but he's super, super skinny and always an injury risk. And, you know, I, I personally, I, I never sat here and said, ah, oh, geez, I wish they had bull bull, but considering that the Celtics are giving up a ton of offensive rebounds and you say, well, at least he's a tall guy that can go up and grab those. Sure. But at that point, why not just play, play Luke Cornett? So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too worried about not having bowl bowl. I think in a, in a different situation, like in Orlando up and down team, still trying to figure themselves out, not really looking to win a ton of games. There's no pressure on them to win a ton of games. The ball is not going, people aren't going to be upset when he takes a shot because, you know, why is Bull Bull shooting these threes instead of Jason Tatum? I, I, I think that Orlando's just a better situation. And when you see a couple of good plays, you remember those. And that's that's all. I think that's all it is. But I can't I can't I can't sit here and argue that not to have Bull Bull, considering what the Celtics do have on their on their bench. So um yeah, would would keeping him have helped? Possibly. I don't think it's tremendously more helpful than any, any of these guys. I think we'd probably still be talking about a lot of the same problems. And I don't think he'd play once the Celtics are at full strength. That's the mailbag. That's the, th- the Thursday show. Friday show is going to be a crossover with Locked On Cavaliers getting ready for that Friday game. Big crossover preview. Our first time meeting Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's going to be a fun game on Friday. A tough game on Friday, so full-on preview, crossover preview. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Watch the show on YouTube. I love the fact that people, that's a great place to go and comment on stuff. Watch the show there, comment. Ring the bell so you can get notified when I drop a, a new episode. And obviously, share the podcast. Tell your friends and family and everybody they should be listening to and watching the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.